the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. DC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Download the Faith Talk Tampa app. Following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. We are faced with, with some unsolvable problems. God tells you to do something and you go, but if I do this, the consequence might be that this would... Don't even think about the consequence. You, you'll be paralyzed in your Christian life if you think about the consequences. Take the word if out. If I do... No, just do this. Here's how you have to approach it the way Abraham did. Our responsibility is not to reconcile God's word. To not reconcile what God wants you to do. Our responsibility is to obey. It is God's responsibility to do the solving of the problem and reconcile it. Most Christians are familiar with the quote usually attributed to William Carey in 1792. Expect great things, attempt great things. It was part of his address to the Baptist Association meeting in England, urging them to enter the field of overseas mission activity. It's a quote often used by churches and schools. When we launch onto an impossible endeavor or land in an impossible situation, that's when God has the opportunity to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are completely his. Are you sold out for the Lord? Are you so completely his that you'll give anything he asks, go anywhere he asks, and do anything he asks? Abraham was, and we will hear more about that today on Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. We are glad to have you here for today's class. Pastor Steve has been teaching and ministering at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida for over 25 years. While Pastor Steve continues serving at Lakeside, Verse by Verse Ministries now brings his clear, practical messages to this radio station so that a broader audience can benefit from these helpful teachings from God's Word. If you have been following along, you'll know that we're well into our series of classes about the heroes of the faith who are listed in Hebrews chapter 11. We've been spending a lot of time exploring the faith of Abraham to see what lessons we can learn from him and hopefully apply to our own lives. Toward the end of our last class, Pastor Steve read from Romans chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. Let me reread that for you, and then we'll pick up the lesson at that point. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth until now. And not only this, also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For a hope we've been saved, but a hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one also hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait eagerly for it with perseverance. In every child of God, there is a groaning that goes on. 
There is a desire for something better. There is a desire to be out of this, this body that is so prone to sin. It is a desire to be free from the flesh. It is a desire to be absolutely perfect in, in the presence of Jesus Christ and say, no longer do I have a struggle with my rotten attitude and no longer do I struggle with my sin. And no longer do I struggle with immorality and those things, but I eagerly, I'm groaning inside. That's one of the proofs that you're really a believer because you're not content with this life. And that's the way Abraham and Isaac and Jacob were. They did not live for the pleasures of this world. They lived with their eyes focused on another home, on heaven. That's why they didn't grow discouraged. So if something happened to them, they realized that wasn't the end of the world. That wasn't it. Do you live your lives like that? Do you, or do you live your lives as if this world is everything? And if something goes wrong in your life, you have a fit. And, and you have a headache. And you get ulcers because of it. That's not the way we're to live. We are to live our, our lives as if this world was just a, a stopping place along the way. Because that's all that it is. Just a stopping place. That's how the patriarchs lived. That's how they lived. And I'll bet they didn't have a whole lot of headaches and ulcers. They may have had some other problems, but not because of that. And this is the way that we should handle our trials and our pressures uh, of life, by fixing your hearts and minds and your, your eyes on heaven. See, this is where it becomes very practical on the return of Christ. We often get into all kinds of debates on uh, when the rapture could come and, and all kinds of things on prophecy. And, well, we should know about those truths. However, if that's all you know, you are a theological egghead. If that's all you know, if you just know prophetic charts and the reality of the return of Christ has never gripped your heart, then you've missed it. You've missed it. The the purpose of the book of Revelation is not to to create a, a prophetic chart, although that's an outgrowth of it. The purpose of the book of Revelation is for you and I to see Jesus Christ. It is the revelation of who? of Jesus Christ, see him for who he is, and long to be with him, and don't get so caught up in this world. Job, in spite of all of his sufferings, you know what he said in Job 19, 25, and 26? He said, as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will take his stand on the earth. Even after my skin is flayed, yet without my flesh I shall see God. Job said, hey, I know there's hope. I know that even though I'm going through excruciating pain and all the problems, I've, I've lost family, I've lost property, I've, uh, I've got uh, silly, stupid friends. In spite of all of this, he said, I know that I'll see my God. I know that I'll see him and I'll persevere. We don't have the time today, but you ought to go through 1 Peter and see all the references in 1 Peter to suffering connected with the return of Christ. That's what Peter was saying to a suffering people. He was saying, listen, you're going through suffering. Remember, Jesus is coming again. You can endure it. You can handle it. So true believers have faith that perseveres, faith that is steadfast. And while we may grow uh, discouraged at times, we always continue in the faith. We always continue in the faith. That is the mark of a true Christian. Even though circumstances are bad, we continue because our minds and our hearts are fixed on something beyond this world. Heaven. Heaven. And notice, as we look back at Hebrews 11, notice the results when the patriarchs believe God. Verse 16 says, 
Therefore, God, this is the last part of verse 16, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. God wasn't ashamed of the patriarchs. Think about that. God wasn't ashamed of them. Ancient men, they probably didn't dress with the latest styles. They probably didn't smell very very good. God wasn't ashamed to be to uh, be called their God. And you know, you know how deep this is? God was so unashamed of these men that he actually gave himself a new name. He said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's God's name. God wasn't ashamed of them. Ashamed of them. I suppose that this is the highest honor that any, any one of us could ever have. That God would not be ashamed to say he's the God of whatever your name is. Greatest honor. But you have to live this way. You have to live by faith. And he prepared a city for them. And you know what? They're living there now. You know how I know that? Because remember the silly Sadducees who did not believe in the resurrection came to Jesus one day and uh, questioned him with a silly argument about a woman who went through all these men. Whose wife uh, is she in the resurrection? And and they were just kind of mocking the resurrection. And Jesus said, "You you don't know what you're talking about. You don't, you don't understand the power of God. You don't even know the scriptures because, he said, but regarding the fact that the dead rise not, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the burning bush, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the, but of the living. And you're greatly mistaken. They thought, they thought that these men had died and just, that was it. But Jesus said, you know what? God didn't say, I was their God. He said, I am their God, meaning they're still alive. And they are in that heavenly city right now. Right now. So Abraham's faith was active, was patient, was bold, it was steadfast. And finally, and this is so important and so critical, it's sort of the crescendo of this whole, this whole deal. Abraham's faith was obedience, absolutely obedience. Look at Hebrews, will you, verse 17, Hebrews 11, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Abraham's life was filled with a number of tests of faith. Number of tests, but none was greater than this. Most of you know the story in Genesis 22. God said, Abraham, I want you to take your only son. And he didn't mean only in the sense that he had no others, but only in the sense of your unique unique one, the one who I will channel all the blessings through, not Ishmael, and not the sons and daughters born to uh, to his other wife, Keturah, but your unique son. And I want you to take him about 45 miles north, uh, probably about northeast of here, uh, to a mountain called Moriah, and there I want you to sacrifice him there. And do you realize what God told Abraham to do? Offer him as a sacrifice? Now, we look at that, and we have a moral problem with that. We have a moral problem because later on in the law, God said you are not to have sacrifices. It is an abomination to me. But here he said sacrifice. So how do we reconcile this? I think the best answer is that it was only a test. God, once it actually happened, Abraham was about to grab the knife. He stretched forth his hand. The Bible said for the knife, God said, don't, don't touch the lad. So it's just a test. So I think that that resolves, at least in my mind, the moral dilemma. But that wasn't the major dilemma. 
<laughs> that wasn't the major dilemma. Not only was there the natural uh, revulsion of thinking about sacrificing your son. Imagine that. Imagine if God said to you, take your, your child out and, and sacrifice that child in a burnt offering. Imagine that. But not only was this the son that he loved, but this was the promised son. All the promises that God had given Abraham depended upon Isaac marrying and having children. At this point in his life, Isaac had not married, and there were no other children. All of God's promises hinged on Isaac. He is irreplaceable. If he dies, the promises of God all die. If Abraham kills Isaac, then what happens to God's promises? How could Abraham reconcile God's command to sacrifice Isaac with God's promises? Isaac is unique and he is irreplaceable. That's why he's referred to as the only begotten son, meaning the unique son. Without him, you have nothing. Without him, if he dies, you might as well close your Bibles and go home and never come back again, because God would be a liar. That's, that's what's at stake here. This is really a test of obedience. That's why it says that when he was tested, this is a test of obedience. Did Abraham trust God enough to obey him by sacrificing Isaac and still believe that God would yet fulfill his word through Isaac? That's real. That is a tremendous tension here. If he kills him, how could his word be fulfilled? And yet he obeyed. Verse 19, he did it. He considered, watch this, that God is able to raise men even from the dead, from which also he received him back as a type. Abraham's faith was so strong that he believed that God would resurrect Isaac from the dead because he had promised to fulfill his word through Isaac. What an incredible statement. What faith. What faith. If that is not the greatest demonstration of faith ever seen, I don't know what would be greater. We just heard the account as explained by the author of Hebrews. In just a minute, Pastor Steve will tie that in with Genesis chapter 22. In the meantime, I would like to briefly welcome those of you who have just joined us. You're listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you missed the start of class, stick around after it's over, and I'll tell you how you can listen online. Perhaps you know someone else who would also like to hear these messages, but they can't listen to the radio at this time of day. Well, the website is just the answer. You can also order by phone an audio CD or cassette tape with this message. I'll give you the phone number at the end of the program also. But now we need to get back to class. If you're following in your Bible, please turn to Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. Here is Pastor Steve. And this is consistent with Genesis. Consistent with Genesis 22. Let me read this to you. Genesis 22, 1 through 5. Now, it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Here am I. And he said, take now your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning. Notice, he didn't delay this. He didn't say, well, you know, I've got some packing to do, but we can leave in the afternoon. There's no rush on this. But no, Abraham went out because he was an obedient man. 
He, he rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac, his son. And I might add that Isaac was not a little child at this point. He was at least a teenager and probably well into his 20s and maybe even 30s. Isaac, his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place on which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. And Abraham said to his young men, now watch this. Stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder, and we will worship and return to you. Now, why did Abraham say we will worship and return to you if he's planning on sacrificing Isaac? Because he believed with all of his heart that in killing Isaac, God would raise him from the dead. He said, we'll come back. Now, if you've got a dead son there and you don't believe in resurrection, you're not coming back with him. That's exactly what the writer to the Hebrews is saying, that Abraham believed that that God would resurrect him. Why? Because God has to fulfill his word. And I might add that Abraham knows absolutely nothing about the resurrection. He's never read the New Testament. He doesn't know all that you know about the resurrection. He's never read 1 Corinthians 15. He's never seen a resurrection before. He's never heard of a resurrection He may not have even been told about any such thing called the resurrection, and yet he believed that it had to be. He reasoned that if God had ordered Isaac's death, then he must resurrect him because God keeps his word. And as it turns out, Isaac didn't die because God told Abraham to stop and he provided a ram in the bushes. And I might add, by the way, that's a tremendous picture of Jesus Christ. That's not the point of what the writer is saying, but we understand that. In fact, do you know where Mount Moriah is? Years later, Solomon built the temple right on Mount Moriah. And just a few yards from that is is Calvary, where the real Lamb of God died. It says he received him back as as a type, meaning a type of the resurrection. He was as good as dead, and yet he received him back alive. That's a a picture of Christ. Now, Abraham's faith was such that he was willing to do whatever God told him to do. And, And bear with me for a few minutes now. Even though he didn't understand what was going on, he obeyed because his faith told him that God was great enough to work out his purpose. And that's the tremendous truth for us for us to to grasp. I want to say that there are some commentaries and commentators who uh, look at this passage and say, you know. There was tremendous turmoil going on in Abraham's heart over this. I don't think so. I don't think so. You read Genesis and you read Hebrews and show me where Abraham uh, had any turmoil. There is no indication, no impression that Abraham is in turmoil over this. I think that's reading into the passage of Scripture. It doesn't say that at all. It says he got up early. He said, the lad and I will come back. That doesn't look like a man in turmoil. What is this saying to us? Abraham wasn't in turmoil. He treated the whole issue as if it were God's problem. God's problem. Abraham didn't try to reconcile the problem. It was God's job to to take care of it. All his job was to do is to go out and be obedient. And I think that's the great truth for us. We are faced with, with some unsolvable problems. God tells you to do something and you go, but if I do this, the consequence might be that this would... Don't even think about the consequence. You'll be paralyzed in your Christian life if you think about the consequences. Take the word if out. If I do, no, just do this. Here's how you have to approach it the way Abraham did. Our responsibility is not to reconcile God's word. 
to not reconcile what God wants you to do. Our responsibility is to obey. It is God's responsibility to do the solving of the problem and reconcile it. Our faith is in a God who has absolutely no problems. God has many promises, but he has no problems. And we can't see how God is working out these the, the problems that we have. And we can't see how God's eternal plan is all working, but it is. It's not our job to see it, but it's our job to obey, and that's where Abraham is the great example to us. I don't know what God has put on your heart. I don't know where you are in your devotional reading, where he's applied his word to you, but you are simply called to obey. You are called to obey. Take, for example, and I I don't even have this in my notes, take, for example, if you are afraid of being baptized because you have to give a testimony. You cannot, and that's, that's a good illustration of what I mean, you cannot approach this and say, but what if I forget my words? Take the word what if or the words what if out. If the Bible says do it, you just do it. Like the, the Nike ad, just do it. That's all. You obey. Abraham just did it. He didn't try to figure it out. Don't play God. Just obey. Well, what if I faint? You know, or what if I fall from up there? Or what if he forgets to plug my nose? You know, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You'll live. You just obey God. That's all. Don't start thinking ahead. It's an old expression. You can't run until you walk. You just walk. And don't think down down the road. You just obey what God wants you to do. And that's the way Abraham lived. Do you believe God's word like that? Do you believe and obey it when you can't understand what what, what he's going to do to fulfill his word? That's obedience. That's obedience. If you could figure it out, it's not really faith. It's not really faith. By the way, the offering of Isaac is the great test of faith that James speaks of that proves that we're, we're true believers. Obedience is the proof that we really know God. Unbelievers don't obey. True believers obey, no matter what the cost is. Now, that's the way Abraham lived, and that's the way we should live. So if you're experiencing tough times, and, and who's not? Who's not? Be encouraged. Because while your circumstances may not change, God tells us how to live by faith during those difficult circumstances. How? Well, today we learn that we're to be steadfast. Steadfast. Continue on by fixing your heart and mind on heaven and eternity and not the present problems. That's how you'll finish well. You know, one of the prayers in my life is that I'll finish well. I see many, I have seen many Christians start the, the new life off uh, in, a, in a blaze. It's like they're running a marathon, but they're sprinting. You look at that and you say, boy, when they get to 20 miles and they hit the wall, are they going to have problems, spiritually speaking? The Christian life is just like that. You want to end well. You persevere. You're steadfast. And you keep your eyes on the goal. The goal is heaven, not earth. In fact, that's that's how, uh, how the writer concludes this in chapter 12. He says, fixing your gaze on Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. So be steadfast. Is your mind fixed on eternity, or is it on this earth? It's on this earth, everything's going to go wrong. Everything that goes wrong, you're going to have a major fit. Secondly, be obedient. Do what God tells you to do in his word, even if you don't understand what he's doing in your life, even if you can't figure it out. He never told us to figure it out. Just obey. Leave the problem solving up to him. You just be obedient. That's the way true faith is. Jesus said that his sheep know his voice and they follow him. Even so, we have a natural concern that we might get it wrong. 
It's one thing to wonder what will happen if we obey God, but it's quite another to wonder if it's really God whom we are hearing. There isn't time now, of course, to deal with how to know God's will in our lives, but I should point out that an even greater concern ought to be that if we don't respond to God's urgings, we will miss out on important ministry opportunities. Most of the time, if we get it wrong, we'll look foolish. We might look foolish even if we're right. But if we ignore God's still small voice, the results could be much worse, maybe for us or maybe for someone else. You have just heard verse by verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida is our instructor. Pastor Steve has been teaching since 1981 at Lakeside, and now his expository or verse-by-verse lessons from God's Word are also available every weekday on this radio station. Verse-by-Verse Ministries is a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of interested listeners who have first been faithful to their local church. If you missed part of today's lesson or just want to hear it again, it is available at our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can also find previous broadcasts in our archives page on the site. If you would like to subscribe to our free podcasting service or sign up for our complimentary newsletter, the website makes that a simple matter. The web address, once more, is versebyverseradio.org. Since Pastor Steve's messages are longer than the time we have available for our program, we break them up into radio-sized pieces. If you would like to hear this entire message all at once, you can order a cassette or an audio CD by calling us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and a number and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727-239-0306. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.